Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Yashodanandana Prajajana Ranjana Yamunatira Vanachari Yamunatira Vanachari Jairadha Madhava Kunjabihari Jairadha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janavallabha Girivaradhari Gopi Janavallabha Girivaradhari Yashodanandana Brajajanaranjana Yashodanandana Brajajanaranjana Yamunatira Vanachari Yamunatira Vanachari Jairadha Madhava Kunjabihari Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jai Radha Govinda Radha Govinda Radhe Jai Jagannatha Jaya Jagannatha Jaya Baladeva Jaya Subhadra Jai Gauranitai Jai Gauranitai Gauranitai Jai Gauranitai Prabhupada 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 Jai Jai Prabhupada Jai Jai Gurudev 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 Jai Jai Gurudev <coughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 7, Text Number 50. Shri Bhagavanu Vacha Aham Brahmacha Sarvascha Jagata Karanam Param Atmeshwara Upadrishta Swayandrug Aviveshana. 
श्री भगवाच अहम ब्रह्मा चगत कारण परम आत्मेश्वरा उपादृष्टा स्वयं ट्रांसलेशन श्री भगवान लॉर्ड विष्णु उवाच सेड अहम आई ब्रह्मा ब्रह्मा च एंड सर्व लॉर्ड शिव च एंड जगत ऑफ द मेटीरियल मैनिफेस्टेशन कारण परम सुप्रीम आत्म ईश्वर द सुपर सोल उपदृष्ट द विटनेस स्वयं दृक् सेल्फ सफिशिएंट अविवेशन देर इज नो डिफरेंस translation and purport by his divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami shri prabhupad ki jai lord vishnu replied brahma lord shiva and i are the supreme cause of the material manifestation i am the super soul the self sufficient witness but impersonally there is no difference between brahma lord shiva and me purport lord brahma was born out of the transcendental body of lord vishnu and lord shiva was born out of the body of lord brahma lord vishnu therefore is the supreme cause in the vedas also it is stated that in the beginning there was only vishnu narayana there was no brahma or shiva similarly shankaracharya confirmed this narayana para narayana or lord vishnu is the origin and brahma and shiva Shiva are the manifested after creation. Lord Vishnu is also Atmeshwara, the super soul in everyone. Under his direction, everything is prompted from within. For example, in the beginning of Shrimad Bhagavatam, it is stated, "Tene Brahma Hrida." He first educated Lord Brahma from within. In Bhagavad Gita ten point two, Lord Krishna states, "Aham Adhirhi Devanam." Lord Vishnu or Krishna is the origin of all demigods, including Brahma and Lord Shiva. In other place in Bhagavad Gita, ten point eight, Krishna states, "Aham sarvasya prabhavaha." Everything is generated for me. This includes all the demigods. Similarly, in the Vedanta Sutra, "Janmadhyasyataha." and in the upanishad it's is the statement yatova imani bhutani jayante everything is generated from lord vishnu everything is maintained by him and everything is annihilated by his energy therefore their actions and reactions the energies which come from the, him create the cosmic manifestation and also dissolve the whole creation thus the lord is cause and also the effect whatever effect we see in this interaction of his energy and because energy is generated from him he is both the cause and effect simultaneously everything is diff- everything is different and the same it is said that everything is brahman sarvam kalav idam brahma in the highest vision nothing is beyond brahman and therefore lord brahma and lord shiva are certainly non different from him 
ಓಂ ಅಜ್ಞಾನತಿಮಿರಂಧ್ರ ಜ್ಞಾನಾಂಜನ ಶಲಾಕೈ ಚಕ್ಷೂರುನ್ಮಿಲಿತೇನ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರವೇ ನಮಃ ನಮಾಂ ವಿಷ್ಣುಪದಾಯ ಕೃಷ್ಣಪೃಷ್ಠಾಯ ಭೂತಲೆ ಶ್ರೀಮತೆ ಭಕ್ತಿವೇದಾಂತ ಸ್ವಾಮೀಜಿ ನಾನನೆ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ದೇವಿ ಗೌರವಾಣಿ ಪ್ರಚಾರಿಣಿ ನಿರ್ವಿಶೇಷ ಶೂನ್ಯವಾದಿ ಪಾಶ್ಚಾತ್ಯ ದೇಶಕಾರಿಣಿ ವಾಂಚಾಕಲ್ಪತರುಭ್ಯ ಕೃಪಾಸಿಂಧುಭ್ಯವತಿಭ್ಯೋ ವೈಷ್ಣವೇಭ್ಯೋ ನಮೋ ನಮಃ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭು ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀ ಅದ್ವೈತ ಗದಾಧಾರ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸ ಗೌರ್ಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ್ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ್ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಸೊ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ಫಾರ್ ಎಂಗೇಜಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸರ್ವಿಸ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಪ್ರಭು ಆಫ್ discussing shrimad bhagavatam today's verse uh, is in this chapter sacrifice performed by daksha this is the first verse that lord vishnu who appears to the sacrifice speaks in a in a series of verses and specifically here he is describing that how he is in one sense there is no difference between him lord brahma and lord shiva sometimes when we read vedic texts uh, we we may get confused there is sometimes emphasis on uh, difference between lord and uh, everything else and sometimes there is also emphasis on non difference so sometimes many times people can get confused and so also so many philosophies have come about you know how we are different from lord and at the same time some philosophies say we are not different from lord we are one with the lord so the the perfect synthesis of the philosophy was propagated by lord chaitanya mahaprabhu who gave a perfect understanding how were simultaneously simultaneously one and also different that is uh, how simultaneously everything is different and the same achintya bheda abheda bheda means there is difference abheda means when you add a ah to the any letter in sanskrit it becomes opposite abheda means it's opposite so there is no difference and how do we understand <laughs> we cannot understand that's why it's called achintya <laughs> but that doesn't mean we cannot explain it we can try to understand through how our acharyas have explained it to the extent we can understand but whether we can completely understand how the manifestations happen no that is not possible as a as a living entity it is not possible and here prabhupad giving prabhupad is giving such a wonderful references is establishing this truth how how that uh, krishna ultimately is the supreme and uh, he is the origin of everything and he is quoting this first verse from shrimad bhagavatam so this this the shrimad bhagavatam starts with the first verse describing what is absolute truth 
So many conceptions, when we, when we read a philosophical book, we may have a conception of what is God, what is truth. But Srimad Bhagavatam being the accepted by all Vedic followers as the ultimate, ultimate essence of all the scriptures, gives the definition of absolute truth in the beginning. It says, Janma Dhyasya Yata, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. It, it declares who is that absolute truth. That absolute truth is Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. That one. That this, is, this, is, uh, this absolute truth is Vasudeva. It's the son of Vasudeva, Krishna is the absolute truth. And it gives the qualities of the absolute truth. So it is not enough to define what is the absolute truth. Because, you know, in the general world, when somebody comes to the top, when somebody wants to become the president, they become the president by the votes they get, right? So, or the popularity, they, how popular they are they are considered the top. And you know, every five years or four years, the votes change, people change. So it is not necessarily, that's how it works in the absolute realm. Somebody doesn't get elected as the Supreme God for five years and then, you know, or, or somebody becomes, three of us, Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu and Shiva, they're all Supreme God. So we hear this, this also. Yeah, they're all combined Supreme God. Somebody say, well, there is no person who is Supreme God. Everything, the energy beyond everything is the Supreme God. So we hear so many concepts. But Srimad Bhagavatam gives the qualities of the Supreme God. And two especially important qualities is described in that verse, Janma Dhyasa. If you have a book, you can, you can also see. I have a Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter 1, Canto 1, chapter 1, book. And these two qualities, I can also read word to word for you. Uh, so the verse goes as Janmadhyasiyata Anvayat Itarasya Arteshu Abhignat Swarat. So the Prabhupada translates these two qualities. If you see it word to word definition, Abhigya, fully cognizant, Swarat, fully independent. So if we have to qualify the Supreme Lord who has the qualities of fully cognizant and fully independent, that is the absolute truth. Of course, there are so many details and how he manifests things, how he uh, manifests other aspects, like, you know, we describes how he is, uh, he, he is the origin, how is this? But ultimately, when we look into something, when we say some, somebody is absolute, we, we define they're fully cognizant, they're fully conscious of everything. And, and here it is described how is fully conscious, either directly or indirectly is fully conscious. So he knows everything. And he's fully independent. That means he doesn't, as this verse here describes, uh, <clears throat> it's not that somebody has given Krishna the knowledge or Krishna has to understand. He is he's fully independent. He is not dependent on anything. So his energies that he manifests are also, though seemingly independent, they are fully under his control. So the example given here is Brahma. Tene Brahma Hrudaya Adikavi. So Brahma was sometimes 
perceived as the creator of this universe but this verse clearly explains that how he became the creator is that knowledge was imparted into his heart tene brahma hrudaya and however so ultimately it shows that even lord brahma was dependent so he was not independent so shrimad bhagavatam at the outset declares who is absolute truth and how he is manifesting everything and what are his transcendental qualities and whom we should be meditating as an absolute truth so that is clear and sure prophet is also quoting so many verses here aham adirhi devanam this is again 10th chapter uh, bhagavad gita very important verse to says name vidusuragana prabhava pravanam sorry prabhavam na na maharshayah aham adirhi devanam maharshinam cha sarvashah so neither the host of demigods nor the great sages know my origin or opulences but in every respect i am the source of demigods and sages so especially this verse is quoted also to emphasize that we see so many aspects of wonders in this universe or power powerful uh, exhibitions of opulences in this universe whether somebody is most powerful uh, in his exhibition of his strength or his intelligence or knowledge and also one may be qualified in certain aspects like beauty and everything famous so all these opulences or powers or however we describe that are nothing but the manifestations of krishna so in that sense we can see how everything is not different so in in the vedic tradition that's why there is nothing which is independent of god so everything is connected then what is the main issue the main issue is we do not see the connection and that is the whole purpose of understanding this philosophy is to see everything in proper perspective when we fail to see it just like as this verse explains <clears throat> lord brahma and lord shiva were guna avataras qualitative incarnations as is described so they were performing activities empowered activities under the direction of krishna so they are to be respected they are to be given as much credit because that is the will of the lord that's how krishna manifests his will and when uh, one does not see properly then one only see differences they will only see uh, how this is not connected so this whole idea of uh, seeing krishna uh as uh, equal or everything is equal to krishna non difference is how all energies are working to to fulfill the will of krishna so when we see it from that perspective then uh, uh then there is no confusion so shila bhakti siddhanta sarswati thakur um he he wrote a commentary on brahma samhita and he explains this point about how to see that also so just like this verse uh, in brahma samhita kshiram yatadadi vikara vishesha yoga explains the the principle of lord shiva shambhu i'll read that verse is chapter 5 text number 
and he explains very beautifully how to see the non-difference. Just as milk is transformed into curd by the action of acids, but yet the effect curd is neither same as nor different from its cause, that is milk. So I adore the prim primeval Lord Govinda of whom the state of Shambhu is a transformation for the performance of the work of destruction. And here he explains very beautifully in one sentence, the supremacy of Shambhu, that's Lord Shiva, is subservient to that of Govinda. Hence, they are not really different from each other. The non-distinction is established by the fact that just as milk treated with acid turns into curd, so Godhead becomes a subservient when he himself attains a distinct personality by the addition of a particular element of adulteration. So that that so this is not in the sense this is not a, this is not to emphasize that they are same quantitatively. This is to emphasize the point he's trying to emphasize is this aspect of Lord Shiva of being subservient is the Lord's desire for the performance of a certain feature, whether the destruction or other aspects of the creation where Lord Shiva is considered a, a teacher or the father of this world too. So that is completely accepted as a supreme principle on the basis of being subservient to that of Govinda. So in that principle, we can say, yes, they're not different from each other. They have the common purpose. So similarly, we also see that's why they are called as Guna Avataras. So even Lord Brahma, even though he is not Lord Vishnu himself, still on a principle basis, his will is to harmony in work in, in harmony to create and uh, propagate, uh, prop, uh, populate the whole universe. And that is the will of the Lord. And for that function, he's, he's, uh, his will and he is considered non-different. So similarly, we, we see Krishna says this in Bhagavad Gita too. Rasoham apsukaunteya. I am the taste of water. I am the, you know, of all the warriors, I'm Arjuna. He, he makes many statements. So ultimately, all these opulences are the energies of the Lord. Nothing exists independent of the Lord. And when we see that manifestation as Krishna's potency, then we are understanding the non-difference properly. So, and when we say cause and effect, there is also a description, cause and effect. Krishna is the cause. He says, I am the cause of uh, the five elements. Bhumi, Rapo, Nalova, Yukhammano, Buddhirevacha. So he's saying this uh, manifested earth, water, air, these are all, this is all my creation from me only. And yet he's also saying, well, there is water which is created. So sometimes we may think, well, well, there is water, but the taste of the water is because of the water. The taste of a drink is because of that flavor which is coming from certain thing. No, that is not what Krishna is saying. Krishna is saying he is also the effect. That means the taste, what we derive in the drinking some beverage of water, 
is Krishna. Srila Prabhupada sometimes uh, to to establish the supremacy of everything as Krishna and as a tool for purification for people when they see that connection sometimes he emphasized well if you drink a even an alcoholic beverage, the taste is Krishna. <laughs> because ultimately all the taste belongs to Krishna. If it's and also when we smell a flower, it is coming from the earth, right? So we may think, yes, the smell of the flower is deriving from the earth, but no. Punyo Gandam Prithvimcha. He says the flavor, original flavor of the earth is also me, Krishna is saying. So similarly, so many manifestations from the earth are coming in different forms, in different flowers, different smells. That is Krishna. So that if we are seeing that principle, yes, that is Krishna. Everything is Krishna. There is nothing which is manifested as cause or effect which is independent of the Lord. So that, that is what it says. is fully cognizant and is also fully independent in the sense that Nothing can control him. Fully independent. He being fully independent, he is also willingly putting himself under the care of his devotees. That is a manifestation of his independence. And also being fully independent also means he is also controller of everything. Yet if he wants, he can act through that. So this aspect of the Lord is the Vishnu aspect of the Lord. When he comes. Uh, taking the role of the maintainer. So he, the Acharyas explain, like when Brahma is the is in the mode of creator, so he's tinged with mode of passion. And Lord Shiva, similarly, there is, a, there is a contact with the mode of ignorance, material modes. Uh, but for Vishnu, there is no contact. He's completely aloof. So uh, one example is given is when a king enters or when a, when a powerful person enters the prison house, it doesn't mean that he is part of the prison house. So he's on his own will, he's, in, he's decided to come into the prison house. And from Krishna point of view, the activity of creation, destruction, everything is equal. So, Srila Prabhupada gives a simple answer is like, uh, just like uh, uh, we have a criminal department, we have a justice department, we have educational department, all these departments are there simultaneously, and they're all funded from the same government. They're not, just because Lord Shiva is in contact with mode of ignorance, Thomas, does not mean that is lower. That's because Lord Brahma is in creation with the Lord of Passion. That does not make it higher or because of sattva, which is mode of goodness. Yes, the modes, when they act, they may have gradations. But from Krishna's point of view, creation, destruction, manifestation, everything is equal. That's all his. So just like the example I gave, everything is funded by the government, all these departments. So the department does not see one thing is better than the other because the purpose is the same, rectification or propagation of the right 
principles, values. So similarly, even though Krishna is, is in charge of everything and he is empowering all this through his energies, he only sees the purpose, which is to, to bring the conditioned souls, bring all of us to this idea of Krishna, understanding that Krishna is the, is the essential principle behind everything. And we, we connect with that principle. So whatever in this world is manifesting is Krishna. So as practicing devotees, this is helpful to us too. Because, because sometimes we see, when we read, we only highlight the differences. Then we, 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 tend, to, we tend to create further differences. Like Prahlad Maharaj says to Hiranyakashipu, <clears throat> Hiranyakashipu is asking, you are worshipping my enemy, my dear son. I, 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 I'm really disturbed. You're worshipping my enemy. And Prahlad Maharaj is saying, there is actually no enemy. The only enemy we have is our own mind. Uncontrolled and misguided mind. Is how Prabhupada says. Uncontrolled and misguided mind is our own enemy. And it is very interesting because Prahlad Maharaj is not just speaking just a philosophy. He's actually realized that how even though his own father has been torturing him from every angle, if somebody even does a percent of what Hiranyakashipu does to us, we consider someone as our enemy. But Prahlad Maharaj is saying, you're not my enemy. And his whole life, he acted on that principle. Even to the point when Lord Vishnu, as Lord Narsingadev, Krishna appeared, he did not, had hold, did not hold any grudge against his father. He just said, my father was very envious and angry at you. Please, if you want to give me anything, please uh, bless him so that he can, he can completely come out of that. So his principle of seeing is that everything is Krishna, but there is nothing. He was a king. So sometimes when we read that, uh, I wondered when we read the uh, description Srimad Bhagavatam, it says, Sri Hiranyakashipurvacha. I said, wow, why does Hiranyakashipu require that kind of respect? You know, we're thinking uh, Hiranyakashipu is the most abominable person who persecuted every person and he did everything wrong, but still he's decorated with the word called Sri Hiranyakashipurvacha. So I was, I was thinking, why? I, I don't know everything, the reason about that, but one, I, one thought I had like, yes, he is still the king of Daityas. So he was the king of the demonias and even that aspect of becoming a king, whether it's right or wrong, it's that's also is the manifestation of Krishna's uh, energy only in the sense that whatever opulence he was exhibiting as a royal king, that is not his independent acquired wealth it's also krishna's so in that sense we can understand perhaps yes that is what it could be so one question that quite often we are asked uh, on this principle is yes we can see everything that is manifested good in this world we can understand we can say well if something goes really well we say yes it's krishna's mercy oh yeah this this Oh, if I just survived an accident, I say, wow, that's a Krishna's mercy. But, you know, when the, our car gets really wrecked, 
we never say it's Krishna's mercy. <laughs> we're, we're like, you know, yeah, we're ready to blame. So that or something evil happens. So many people ask this question. I see so much evil in this world. Are you saying, when you're saying everything is manifested by God, uh, are you saying God has also this much evil? Otherwise, why would it exist? So this is a very pertinent question, correct? When, when, we, say, when we say that Krishna is the origin of everything and he's, he's fully control of the energies, how is this principle of evil can be justified? You know, fortunately, our philosophy of watching the Beda, Beda, Tattva, and also our Acharyas have opened our eyes to truth, to see not just beyond just the word, but understand the principle also. Yes, when some, some, somebody says there is evil in this world, so Prabhupada gives a very simple example, very simple example to understand this. He said, anger as a principle is very bad in this material world. You know, any, any, any place we go, we will never say ang cultivating anger is a bad, good thing. But <clears throat> the only place where it has its value is when somebody is angry, like when father or a parent uh, is angry at a person to rectify him. That is, a, that is somewhat correct purpose. Very, uh, this is a very broad example, doesn't exactly fit, but uh, Sri Prabhupada gives this. And similarly, when Krishna exhibits his anger, it is for a good purpose. It is absolutely good. It brings the best purification in us and also it evolves us spiritually. But when it is contaminated with material modes, that gets perverted into a whole different concept. It only leads into destruction. So anytime you see in Srimad Bhagavatam, for example, when Narada Muni becomes visibly anger at uh, Nalakuvera and Manigriva, the end result was Nalakuvera and Manigriva were so grateful. What we did not deserve and what we could not even aspire, probably, we got it so quickly because of the mercy of Narada. So the end result become very auspicious. So this is transcendental anger that we see in the Lord. Similarly, what Narsimhadev, we saw when Lord Narsimhadev exhibited anger, this is a and if somebody sees the picture, they, they get visibly confused. How can God be so angry? And because the only way we understand is when God gets angry, he just punishes us. No, that's not the concept. Uh, the concept is when God gets, shows that anger, it is for our benefit. But any material example we see in this world, manifestation of anger is only resulted in chaos. It resulted in so much more uh, further escalation so so we can understand that principle from principle point of view yes the aspect of those qualities which may sound like evil in this world exist in the lord also but they are not what we experience here it's perverted experience the aspect of love which krishna chakruti thakur says adi rasa the original rasa is exists in the lord but when it's reflected in this, in the material realm, it becomes perverted as lust. It be, the original love is all based on selflessness, 
it is transformed into selfishness. So there is a two different concepts, though it may look very similar, they're as different as iron and gold. So this is one aspect very important to understand, even though we say when everything is Krishna, sometimes people misuse that and try to exploit. And when, when somebody exploits and then we misunderstand, we think, yeah, yes, this philosophy doesn't make sense, but actually not. And for practicing devotees, we understand, yes, everything which comes in our way is also arranged by Krishna, directly or indirectly. So how, what should be our consciousness? We should strive to see the examples of the great devotees that, yes, this, when the will of the Lord takes predominance, either we understand it is coming directly from the Lord, if one is pure enough, that Krishna uses him as an instrument, or ultimately it comes indirectly through our own karma, which is also sanctioned by the Lord. Ultimately, by just perceiving and seeing the connection with Krishna, it, we get purified. If not, we may develop so much resentment, so much anger against the instruments of our own karma, and we lose the opportunity. So this is a practice. This is not an easy thing, very easily spoken. But in the next moment, when I step out of this class, I'll probably have a challenge and I lose it. But, but it is a concept that we have to practice. And when one practices, one more Krishna gives that uh, realization. Yes, everything is connected. It's, it's all to manifesting through me. So unfortunately, Daksha could not see that because Daksha did, did not have that conception. He, he did not have that understanding. So even though seemingly when situation like Lord Shiva did not get up, he was visibly very disturbed. So these situations in the material world will happen and which we cannot control. But this principle of understanding, yes, everything is sanctioned by the Lord one way or the other. Then we can see the great examples of, great examples of Parikshit Maharaj, all these great devotees. And when we read Mahabharata, a little more, principle we can experience both from a material perspective and also transcendental perspective. That is the benefit of reading Mahabharata is when we read Srimad Bhagavatam, we hear mostly transcendental perspective, right? When we hear Parikshit Maharaj, he says, he says, uh, 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 no, there's a nice verse, he quotes, I, I, he says, uh, I see Krishna has come in the form of a curse just to elevate me just i'm just paraphrasing it so he says by this because i am attached to my life krishna has kindly overtaken me by coming in the form of the curse so when we read this verse we said yeah that's a very good concept but you know i cannot relate because i, I it's too so transcendental to me but when we read mahabharata we can see a little more of a, of a material perspective like, you know, something like when Draupadi is, is uh, in the, the forest, right after the battlefield, uh, not battlefield, after the dice game, she expresses her frustrations many times. Like, how could this happen to me? I followed everything right in my life. How could this happen to me? You followed, I married, I married to you, Yudhishthir, who are the personification of Dharma. Then how can this happen to us? <laughs> and... That is that means God is cruel. I mean, so 
The expression in Mahabharata is a lot more realistic and the answers are also transcendental. How, how Yudhishthira explains that, yes, in the, in the course of our life, there's so many things which may happen, but if we perform our duty and somehow connect with Krishna and just tolerate, trying to understand that this is the, this is what material world is all about. Just by making that connection, we become purified and also we gain a understanding, knowledge. And through that knowledge, one can, one can become peaceful. This is the, what Prahlad Maharaj also says and ultimately Krishna also says in the fifth chapter, Bhoktaram yagyatapasam sarva loka maheshwaram sukhradam sarva bhutanam when one understands that I am the principle, governing principle of everything, controller of everything, and the enjoyer of enjoyer of all beneficiary and sacrifices, yet at the same time, I am also your best friend. And the first thing we will be is we'll be peaceful. So that at least we will not our if we explain this to our mind, when the mind is shouting, yes, that that philosophy will pacify us, then eventually purify. So I will just end there. Any reflections or, or comments? Prabhu, I had two, two thoughts that the, from the two points. One was about um, how, how how is it that all three personalities are one but different how are they all like doing different things, but they're all doing the same thing? How is it that one of them's supreme and does it at all, but they're also other ones are doing? Um, it, it reminds me of like team, like a team, you know, or a, or a, like a yeah, like a sports team or a work team. That it's a group, it's one, and we might say like, oh yeah, this team won, like or this this whatever. And, it's an it's a it's an entity on their own, but it's a group of people, and someone might do separate one thing or another thing, but it's still one. And we might say, well, yeah, this this group they you know accomplished this task, and we know that well this person specifically did this thing and this one did this thing. So there's that oneness as a group and cooperating together, um, and they're yes they all it's. They did it, but then they're each doing it separately. So that kind of helps me understand it, sort of. I don't know if it's accurate. But then the other thing was, is that, like what you're saying with Jopati, you know, she was like saying, well, how could, why is this happening? How could this happen? And sometimes in our own life, we, we ask that, right? Like you were saying. Um, and what we don't have the perspective of the Supreme Lord. But the Supreme Lord has this broad perspective of knowing like what happened in the past, what what will happen in the future. And so we may, we don't see that, so it doesn't make sense to us. But sometimes in life, something will happen in the past and later on, we'll say, oh, okay, that's why that happened. You know, so we might see it, but to sort of trust that, that I don't understand because I don't have that perspective. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I've heard a very good statement I've shared with a few people in this call too before, is uh, when, when that challenges come, the most pertinent question is what to do rather than why. 
you know, I think my Guru Maharaj a few times said, you know, when one gets bitten by malaria, you know, which happens, it's almost impossible to trace which mosquito has bitten you. And that why exercise will become never ending exercise. So instead the remedy is, yes, I got malaria. However, it has come. What do I need to do? And that, that, that helps that focus that, you know, and sometimes it's, because it's, it's very complicated. Yes, yeah, it's so complex. And then we'll, like you said, we'll get caught up in the why, but usually yeah. the why comes on its own later. Right. Time. Yep. Yeah. And in retrospect, as you said, we, we will be amazed how Krishna has actually woven this whole thing, you know, in his own beautiful way. Mm. Yeah, thank you. And also on the team example, thank you for sh thanks for sharing it. I was also thinking the Prabhupada mentions this. I, I forgot the principle that Krishna. Why does Krishna do this? Sometimes we amaze. Like Krishna is this amazing team leader that he always wants to give credit to his team, though he does everything. You know that's that's his striking quality. Is like you know he has Brahma creates and he says Brahma is the one. And he has Arjuna fight the battlefield. He gives everything is behind the scene. He's the inspiration. He's the he gives the knowledge intelligence but he wants the devotee to get the glory. That's, a, that's an amazing team leader to have. Yeah, so thanks for that. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Mother Nidra. Salvation Thanks so much Prabhu. So uh, I'm just looking at the uh, translation of the text. And the last sentence says, um, but impersonally, there is no difference between Brahma, Lord Shiva, and me. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> but um, that word, impersonally, uh, what if, would it be possible to put the word personally? Or is it only impersonally? Or is that only when there's no difference? Or could it be personally there's no difference? In other words, I just found it interesting that that word impersonally is there. Of course, we know everything's Brahman, right? Yes. But, uh, but also, too, there's these personal expansions of the Lord. So I was just thinking, you know, the choice of the word impersonally. Just wondered what you'd like to say about it. Thank you, Mother Nija. Uh, that that's a very wonderful question too. I, I didn't think about it, but you know, now that you asked it, I think that that makes uh, more valuable that point. I, I, the one thing that I I can I uh, I quickly reflected on that this verse. I'm trying to get to that verse. Maybe if somebody remembers the exact verse in. A, Bhagavad Gita Maya Maya Tadam Idam Sarvam Avyakta Murtina. Anybody remember exactly which uh, chapter it is? I kind of forgot about Maya Tadam Idam Sarvam. That how Krishna is the uh, by me, my unmanifested form, I am pervaded all over the universe. Anybody remember any, any quick Bhagavad Gita? Yep, it's 9.4. Yep, thanks, somebody pressure. So I'll just read this translation too. We'll get a little better perspective of this, why we can understand. 
<clears throat> so Krishna says, by me in my unmanifested form, this entire universe is pervaded. All beings are in me, but I am not in them. So in one sense, Prabhupada explains in this uh, purport that, um, I'll read this, got a nice example. Yet one should not conclude that because he's spread all over, he has lost his personal existence. To refute such an argument, the Lord says, I am everywhere and everything is in me, but I am still aloof. For example, a king heads the government, which is but the manifestation of king's energy. The different governmental departments are nothing but the energies of the king. And each department is resting on king's power. But still, one cannot expect the king to be present in every department personally. That is a crude example. So based on that principle, we can say, yes, we can see this Krishna is not necessarily present in every aspect. Like he's not necessarily present in maintaining, looks like, but he's also the principle behind. He's avyakta murtina, means the person, personhood is the principle behind the impersonal too. So that's exactly how it is described. Avyakta means unmanifested or form is how it is described. So we can say impersonally does not necessarily mean that there is no Krishna involved, but he's not necessarily manifesting himself. Whereas when we say manifested, Krishna is actually directly visible in his pastimes. But this whole material universe and all these departments, as he said, through Lord Shiva and other departments, Krishna is there, but he's there through his energy. Was manifesting through synergy. That's how I understood it. Anybody would like to reflect on that or add anything that they would else uh, think about? Or Mother Nidra, would you want to add anything to that understanding? Thanks, Rebu. So just um, was thinking, um, yeah appreciating what you said and yet at the same time um, thinking that uh, you know just like if Krishna himself is not personally present all these other expansions of him are personal persons and, and uh, you know personal manifestations of Krishna so uh, I was just seeing how uh, this particular choice of the word um, is uh, like you were explaining that it's uh, everything's generated from him, um, but yet at the same time, uh, simultaneously one and different, and everything is Brahman, but. Um, uh, and nothing beyond Brahman. So therefore, Brahma and Shiva are non-different. But yet at the same time, I, I just kept thinking, well, but still there's uh, still there's that personal um, aspect. Anyway, <laughs> just found yeah. it very curious. But yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is uh, what is just achintya when, when uh, is inconceivable part of Krishna is that that how he manifests his energies and is described in that Padma Purana verse that how all his energies 
are are just one one energy of Krishna is uh, sometimes we see this in pastimes of Krishna too that you know it looks so nicely orchestrated that you know it's not like a Krishna is like thinking at this point I am gonna act getting you know feeling fear from me show the stick and cry <laughs> so that manifestation is also Icha Shakti of the Lord Acharya is described it is a desire potency of the Lord it's coming from the Lord himself, but it is fully self-sufficient. It knows how to manifest the pastime. <laughs> and Lord is just enjoying that. So it's not like he's uh, necessarily thinking. So that verse in Padma Purana says, all these energies are fully under control of Krishna, yet they are fully, uh, simultaneously, they are manifesting you know, at, 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 at their own pace which is very inconceivable for our human mind. Anyway, I thought about that. I, I, I just want to add to that. Um, that stood out to me, that, that word impersonally, that, that they're, they're one impersonally. And so, you know, we know, we hear that in the spiritual world that every, everything is actually a person, but in the material world, it's not that everything is a person because it's this and it's an energy that's not spiritual right so it's 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 an impersonal energy that 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 creates them just like just like for instance like a i was just looking at looking at different design build firms yesterday like groups there's an architects engineers there's like a group right and they're all having the same purpose but they're one not they're one because of this design build firm but that design build firm it's impersonal it's just an, an energy it's not actually like a living entity person but it's individuals so similarly like we'll say that lord brahma lord lord brahma is sort of like a post but he's actually a person too so yeah it's interesting that that we wouldn't say that they're one in the spiritual world, but in the material world, they're they're one because of the Brahma Brahman. There's no Brahman like in Goloka Vrindavan. No, there's not. <laughs> yeah. Anybody would like to add anything or any comments? I want to say something. Yes, please. Thank you. What's helped me to kind of understand this same but different approach to, to knowing is the understanding that just because something's unmanifested doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. All of that's within Krishna. And then there's a manifestation that happens. And then there's, it's like when you drop a pebble in a pond, the first concentric circle is pretty identical. But then the more it interferes with, like when a river goes down or uh, the water goes down a uh, gravity slope, it's Krishna's energy, but then eddies get created and it's not evil, but it's actually going in a reverse direction. And the bigger the rock, the more opportunity, like the more material uh, manifestation that's happened, the more opportunity there is for the river to kind of experience itself, for the water to come back on 
to itself. So I understood that in Krishna's um, spiritual world, the rock has got a purpose and it's serving for the fish to find places for food behind it and little places to rest in the river and the, and the current of, of life. But if that rock gets put into my hand and I take claim to that material energy, then all, all badness can happen. But as long as I leave it where it is and just let it be, um, it seems like um, I can appreciate that that's Krishna's energy and that everything has been planned ahead of time. It just hasn't been manifested yet. And so that just helped me a little bit because when I started to think manifested and unmanifested was existed or didn't exist, I was getting really confused. But I understand now that that unmanifested exists within Krishna because he is everything that is and everything that yes. isn't also yet. That's, that's, a, that's a very important point and also very well said uh, because uh, we are not necessarily able to understand higher truth when we are only thinking that I am the one who has created everything, you know, either either subtly or grossly, we think like that. We we are not able to understand this, how subtly Krishna is behind everything, and that's why you know in Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, sometimes we see in the second chapter, second canto, the first step in the God realization is this explanation of the universal form, and how actually Krishna is actually you know we've seen this Virata Rupa or universal form how. You know, we see how Krishna's, uh, you know, eyes are sun and moon or, you know, all these features, how his, you know, hairs are all these trees and everything. So, and sometimes one may wonder, why is this so important? Because, you know, some, you know, it is not an eternal aspect because material aspect is not by, but the idea is we are living in this world and we are dealing with this things we are when we walk out we'll see a tree and we walk out we drink some water or do something but when we connect with krishna then we purify but realizing god is also starts like that and you know that that's that's an aspect you know krishna also uses in vibhuti yogas you know how we can see everything as connection to krishna and though it is material still when we connect with krishna it becomes spiritualized that's that's a secret itself. So that's uh, uh, Sukadev Goswami starts with that in the second canto, first step in God realization. Then he explains how Lord is witness here, as he said, Paramatma is also witness and is the Atmeshwar, and then ultimately as Bhagavan, he's supremely opulent and fully uh, fully uh, enjoyer of all kinds of varieties. So, there, yes. Lakshman Prabhu wrote in the chat a question about the anger. Can you see it? Hi, Krishna yeah, Prabhu. I'm gonna see. Oh, thanks, Lakshman Prabhu. I, I'm just saying, yes, yeah. Prabhupada's example of anger used to rectify an example of anger in the mode of goodness, or would this be an example of transcendent anger? Thank you, Prabhu. Okay. Uh, you know, usually it's my experience, like when you get angry, you just can't let it go, right? And our experience, it just kind of results, but we can understand by the effect of it too, that yeah, what kind of anger is it coming? If it's really 
I mean, anger is definitely motive ignorance. It's how, how Krishna defines in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, uh, in the in the third chapter, how he defines anger when 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 lust is unfilled, which is born out of mode of passion, it it goes into mode of lower mode, which results in anger. So, what we experience in the material world is ignorance, and ignorance means one cannot come out of it. There can there can be no good. But when we see like great devotees like Shri Prabhupada and uh, Narada Muni and great people, when they exhibit that anger, one thing we can strikingly note when we hear from our devotees who who've shared their memories is it just quickly disappeared. The next moment they were just completely laughing about something. So they were able to switch on and we can understand then one is not actually under the modes. Because when we're under the modes, it's it's impossible to switch on from ignorance to goodness. One has to go to point of passion, come to goodness, raise oneself. But if one is able to and exhibit that, you know, without even holding it inside, then we can understand, yes, this is this is transcendental. And it is the only purpose is also to benefit. So sometimes Sri Prabhupada used to have a discussion where someone would philosophically try to you know say Krishna doesn't exist and he would get visibly angry. And you can see sometimes when you read a stream of purports, Prabhupada was making the same point again and again. <laughs> so that is out of compassion. So transcendent anger results in compassion. So Narada Muni's anger resulted in compassion. But material anger, the result is it results in destruction and also one will not be able to get out of it so easily. Even though he may seemingly, the effects may not show, but still inside the heart will be burning. And I've experienced that all the day, all the time. <laughs> any, any other further thought on that or... You're okay. No, no, thank you. Probably that was that yeah. was very nicely put. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Okay, so it's nine oh three. So if unless anybody else wants to add anything else, I think we're. Well, I I was wondering more about the anger that, so it can be that anger is in the mode of goodness, like. Is it such? Is there such thing as anger in the mode of goodness then, or is anger always lower modes? Uh, as 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 far as Bhagavad Gita, let, let me refer to that chapter. I I've not heard anything called anger in mode of goodness personally, but you know, I, you know, there may be something that you know I'm also unaware. But here, here is what uh, Prabhupada says. It's it's pretty significant how he. Oh, I'm trying to find where it is. Yeah. Text 37, chapter 3. The Supreme Personality of God, it is lust said, sorry, it is lust only, Arjuna, which is born of contact with material mode of passion and later transformed into wrath, which is all devouring sinful enemy of the world. And Prabhupada goes in <clears throat> saying the purpose, they said, when lust is unsatisfied, so we know it's born of the mode of passion, it turns into wrath, which is technically a word for anger. Wrath is transformed into illusion and illusion continues uh, in the material existence. Wrath is the manifestation of the mode of ignorance. 
these modes exhibit themselves as wrath and other corollaries. Therefore, if therefore the mode of passion instead of being degraded into mode of ignorance is elevated to the mode of goodness by the prescribed method of living and acting, then one can be saved from the degradation of wrath by spiritual attachment. So that's how it's defined. So anger or wrath is, uh, is more in the material sense, it comes in the contact of mode of ignorance passion ignorance but when we when we can see that when mode of passion arise when we add a little intelligence knowledge knowledge is is born out of mode of goodness then automatically even though one is affected one will rationalize in his mind will say yeah well i can understand but you know his perspective i'll just i'll just walk away from here but when does one there is no question of that goodness to the passion when knowledge does not come out through some way and that is the whole purpose of uh, the philosophy philosophy purpose is to give that knowledge so we can raise to goodness and when goodness which means like falling for regulative principle everything when we add transcendence means krishna then it becomes transcendental yeah i I was thinking like, like anger can actually, it could be lower modes, like mix of rajas and tamas. And then like you're saying, when intelligence is there, then we can turn it into being assertive and clear or, or clean and assertive. Um, and then it's more effective. It's not destructive. Yes, that's, that's, I mean, you're right. When I said mode of passion, there's a lot of mixing going on. And I said predominantly mode of passion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, thanks. And it reminds me too that when Krishna gets when Krishna is angry, he, I mean, he he has he has Lord Shiva and um you know, Lord Shiva's consort where they they actually perform destruction destruction with their anger. Mm-hmm. And and it's sort of it has a purpose. However, it, they are in contact with the modes. Like Although it's said that it's just a tinge, he's just like slightly in contact with the modes. Still, it's almost that he has to be in order to perform destruction. Right. Whereas Krishna doesn't do that. He sort of. Yeah. yeah. So all these, all these, the, the reason we have this question also is because, as we said, you know, all these qualities do exist in transcendental realm, but the perversions, what is what we experience every day. So, and we say transcendental anger, we sort of read. But you know, when when somebody acts in transcendent anger, we have no way to understand whether it's transcendent anger or is it, you know. But the only way we can somehow understand is yes, if somebody is as, as that wrath or anger, it just doesn't leave them. And you know, when we see great personalities, they are not affected by that in the sense like at the next moment they can be able to switch on into something totally opposite quality. And that is not possible in this material world. I mean, I've, I've not seen anybody who's, who's, who throws a tantrum and next moment is like tears coming out of his eyes. I mean, if, that would be something to see, but I, I don't think that happens. The only thing that happens is the police or someone who comes over. Yeah, I think like our level is, is turning anger into assertiveness. Yeah. Yeah, if he, if he can add a, attribute of all knowledge to that, 
or some kind of introspection, which is also aspect of goodness to that passion. And at least we will not let it go down, she said. So that. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess there were nine, 10. So thank you very much for your association. Rantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Shri Prabhupada ki jai, Anantakuri Vaishnavrinda ki jai, and Thai Gaur Pramanandi. Hare Haribo. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Oh, thanks for... yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm purified by looking at all these darshans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd like to welcome uh, like to welcome Lakshman and Kalki. Nice to see them on. Yeah, yeah Haribo. Old friends of ours from Denver. Hare Krishna. Krishna. Uh, Haribo. Thank you.